Hello, I'm Rhiannon and welcome back to this new series of Grazia Life Advice. I'm very excited to be back with you again. This is a series where women worth listening to give us their six best tips for life. And as ever, we get to hear one piece of advice they wish they'd ignored too. We're kicking things off with one of the stars of Sky's dark and glamorous drama, Riviera. Hello everyone, I am Poppy Delavine and I am an actor, sometimes model and ambassador for Save the Children. And today I'm very, very excited to be on Grazia Life Advice podcast. Model, muse and actor Poppy is our guest this week. You may recognise her from catwalk shots, pat pictures with famous friends like Sienna Miller or her acting roles like starring in the Hollywood blockbuster franchise Kingsman or as the glamorous Daphne in Riviera, a third series of which is about to launch. Coming up, a warning for women everywhere. Do not make decisions during that time of the month. I've been known to go like food shopping on the first day of my period and literally come back with like seven crates of Krispy Kremes and a cantaloupe. And I'm like, what am I going <laughs> to, I mean, why? We talk about making the switch from modelling to acting. I saw, like I, I I ache, I kind of, my heart sores, my body aches, I, I want to be doing that. And I feel so passionate about it that I had to make that decision. And it was kind of, a, it was a big decision. You know, it's still a work in progress. And like all our guests, Poppy gives us the worst piece of advice she's ever had. Hers came from her dad. And while she thinks it's bad advice, I think it worked out pretty well for him. It was that line that everybody knows, which is uh, treat him mean, keep him keen. So I basically spent my whole teenage years being so horrible to boys (laughs) that I really fancied. What it did do is it did keep the boys at bay, which in turn worked out well for my dad. It was so much fun talking to Poppy. So here she comes. Hi, Poppy. Great to have you on the show. How are you today? Hi, Rhiannon. Very, very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's brilliant to speak to you. And we're talking to you for lots of reasons. But first off is because we've got a new series of Riviera coming out. So tell me about that. Tell me about what we can expect, how exciting it is. Well, so coming out very, very soon is Riviera, Sky's Riviera, season three. It is the return. We still have the wonderful Julia Stiles as Georgina Ryland. This season, you will be taken from Venice to Saint-Tropez to Buenos Aires. Um, There is still just as much drama and grit and excitement, but it's also, I think, a chance for people to sort of almost lose themselves as quite in the sort of adventure and and drama that really surrounds it. But it's it's bold, it's dynamic, it's wild. And yeah, I'm very, very honoured that I've been able to be a part of the third season and, and taken on from season two. I think all the fabulous locations and the fabulous costumes I mean, the clothes you get wear throughout the series are amazing it's just going to be a real treat for any of us that are possibly like locked down and and in our jogging bottoms exactly it's the perfect kind of show where you can be in your trackies and pretend that you're actually swanning around um sort of argentina and in a pair of jimmy chews (laughs) (laughs) just for a second (laughs) when did you record the show obviously it must have been pre-march well, it feels like sort of forever now because we started, uh, we started, I'm actually not in any bit in Venice, which I was really disappointed about. You first see me in Saint-Tropez and we started filming that back in September. Wow. And we filmed that all the way through till November. 
Um, I mean, what a place to live during the winter months. There were no complaints, my <laughs> end. And then January, January 4th, I flew off to Argentina. It was my first time ever going there and what a place it was. Mm. And I was there until literally right at the end of February. And we went into lockdown 10 days later. So wow. we actually managed to complete filming before lockdown even happened. So we were very, very lucky for that. Um, and it did mean that I spent January and February in Argentina, sort of learning tango really badly and speaking <laughs> Spanish, but had quite an incredible time doing it and reuniting with old characters and old faces like Julia and uh, Rupert Graves, who's actually new to the cast, and Jack Fox, who plays my twin. And there's all sorts of, you know, wonderful new new cast members, but also old cast members that people know and already love. And it must be quite weird for you, because I guess you normally film a series and then you think, oh, we'll, we'll all see each other again when we do the promo. And then this year, I guess, no, I guess Julia's in America. and Yeah, I don't think I'll get to see probably anyone. Yeah. I mean, maybe hopefully Jack and Rupert, because they're in London. Mm. But that's probably about it. <laughs> yeah, really strange times for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, I wanted to mention you've been working with Save the Children. And what have you been working on recently with them? Well, so basically, during um, when lockdown happened, I got straight onto the call with Save the Children. I've worked very closely with them as an ambassador for six years now. And I've sort of gone to all sorts of places with them, you know, whether it be the DRC or sort of Ethiopia or um, Jordan, where I was visiting um, Zatari, which is a refugee camp over there. But I got straight onto the call and I was and I was just saying, what can we do? What can we do? I feel so helpless in this time. Um, is there any kind of initiative that we can come up with? And actually in America already, Amy Adams and Jennifer Garner had started an initiative called Save With Stories, where they were getting sort of familiar faces to read bedtime stories to children online, um, which would help sort of promote education amongst children, but also help to sort of, you know, entertain the parents as well during these really tricky times. So we started, we started, we basically did the English version, which basically helped to raise funds for, you know, children and families who've been hardest hit by the coronavirus crisis, but also keep them sort of entertained. So I, it would kind of gave me a purpose during lockdown. I spent all day on the phone to sort of friends, friends of friends, doing emails, asking um, people just to read stories. And everyone was so generous and so brilliant with their time. And we managed to raise, you know, quite a lot of money over over lockdown for it. Yeah, fantastic. And we're here to hear your best advice and your worst, which we'll do later. And I think your first yeah. piece of advice probably fits well into the scenario you're talking about, which is, Worrying right. helps nothing. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, instead of sort of worrying get, gets nothing, it was more sort of, you know, worrying will get you, you know, nowhere. Whenever you worry, there's always a sort of, it's always an indefinite downward spiral from that point. And, you know, sometimes things are just beyond your control. And let's be honest, we all know what it's like to worry and worrying is just the worst feeling in the world. And it sort of distorts what you're even worrying about in the very first place. And it makes you sort of come at things, you know, at a sort of unrealistic angle, so to speak. You know, since I was a child, I was a chronic, chronic worrier. And as I got older, that sort of turned into quite extreme anxiety that, you know, I used to have to do quite a lot of cognitive therapy that would really help with that. And cognitive therapy is all about sort of 
learning how to focus on present, not past, not future, you know, diminishing all of those feelings and and just focusing on the present and how to sort of solve problems that way. That's definitely just a piece of advice that I've taken away with me, I think, since being a young child. Yeah, because as a kid, I just remember always worrying about everything. Was it about my family, you know, and how they were doing? Or was it my friends and what they thought of me or my schoolwork and how was I doing? Or literally it could be the tiniest little thing and I would just be in a bundle of nerves um, inside, you know, that kind of knot in your stomach feeling. And now as an adult, um, I just always say to myself, well, it's beyond your control sitting around worrying about it, letting it fester, isn't going to help you or or anybody, really. Was there a moment where you thought, I can't do this anymore, I need to, I need to sort it out, I need to find a way to stop worrying? Was there anything that made you realise that you needed to make a change? Yeah, definitely. I was, I was a teenager and I think I was at school and it was completely affecting how I was doing at school. It was affecting my grades, because I was just worrying about things that were sort of not even necessarily in my life, but it would be something to do with family or there was one specific friend that I was just chronically worried about. And I would just, I would focus all my energies on that problem. And because of that, my work really started to suffer. And it was at a time when I was doing like A-levels, and a time where I really needed to be focusing and giving all my energy in that direction. And so, you know, I did that thing of like help, I, you know, asking for help, which, you know, as a teenager is, was sort of scary in itself. But I had wonderfully supportive parents and they were like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find you someone. And I was very sort of, I feel very lucky that they were able to get me um, a great, you know, a great therapist who could, you know, delve into cognitive therapy with me. And it was just an incredible thing to be able to explore. And and once I started doing that, it was really funny because a lot of my friends really came to me out of the woodwork, friends that I thought were so laid back and chilled about everything, who actually also suffered from kind of quite extreme anxiety and worry. And And I started to see that more and more people around me had the same sort of issues but the more we vocalized it the sort of easier it became and now I feel like I'm bigger than the worry that's interesting and I but it took a while yeah yeah it does it takes the work as well and I I do I think what is interesting is what you said about it takes energy away doesn't it worry like it's just Mm -hmm. energy you could be spending elsewhere and do you do you now tend to think do you make action plans is it about not worrying and making a change or is it about completely leaving things and not stressing of course, I will always have because I'm. That's I was born like that, and I, I can never, I would never be able to just say, right, I've wiped out worry mm. from my life. Of course, I'm always going to, because there's something about worrying that's almost there's almost an element of care within that. So I just have to address myself. I have to almost. It's almost. I sound like a crazy person now, but sometimes I will have to talk to myself mm. and say, okay, this is the situation. Yeah. Are you going to worry about it? Are you okay? Of course, there's a little element of worry here, but are you able to deal with it? Breathing is mm-hmm. something that really, really helps. Um, sort of breathing exercises, and then just knowing that you're above that mm-hmm. and it's mind over matter, mm-hmm. and that actually let's focus all of this energy on sorting out what the problem is, and just eventually that kind of all those worries begin to diminish. Mm-hmm. 
But of course, there's yeah. always there. There's always a little niggle yeah. somewhere. <laughs> always for everybody, I think. For everybody, exactly. I think it'd be impossible for someone to say they never worry about anything. I think. I'd like to meet that person. Yeah. If they, if they... <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, can you tell me your second piece of advice? Because I love this turn of phrase. It's easy for people to say please. It's harder for people to say thank you. I basically, I kind of got this, I think, from, I don't know, being in sort of my early 20s and starting out. And I mean, it really just boils down to being, it's about being grateful and about acknowledging uh, perhaps what other people might be doing for you, other people going out of their way for you. You know, we've all got complicated lives. And I feel like those two words, thank you, it's so simple, but they can just bring so much joy to somebody. And and yeah, I mean, I, I remember on a sort of personal level, I, and I can't remember specifically what it was, but there was, I really, really was so desperate to see, I think it was like a play and I wanted tickets to something and this play was something I needed to research. And again, it was something to do with school and I, and I managed somehow to get tickets via a person who knew a person who, and I ended up writing a thank you note, like really simple, just written. And this was back in, this is, sounds so archaic. Now I'm really showing how old I am because people wrote thank you notes back yeah. then. <laughs> there wasn't email. Um, but I actually wrote a little note to that person saying, really, really simple, just thank you so much. It um, meant the world and it just meant that I was able to, um, you know, get what I really wanted out of it. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, in turn, got a thank you note wow, yeah. from this person. Bear in mind, I've never met this person saying this is the only time in my in my whole career that I've ever had anyone say thank you or written me a note to say thank you. And it really meant the world to me. From that moment, I was always like, wow, okay, I, I can see the power of thank you. I can see what it can really mm. do. And if you are really grateful for something, say it and show it. Don't just sort of keep it in because I feel like it can go a really long way. Yeah, and in lots of ways, you know, maybe not writing those handwritten notes. I, although we had Emma yeah. Barnett on the show and she still yeah. sends a lot of notes. She is a big note writer. Wow, is she not? Yeah, see, I still am a note writer. I mean, I know, like, if there are any youngies listening to this, they're probably going, that's nuts. And, of course, I love an email too, but something about a little note, which is just, hmm. it kind of goes a long way. It touches the soul a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. And it's never been easier either, has it, to say thank you. There's text, there's WhatsApp, you know. You, there's it's everything. It's so easy to be in touch with people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Although I, I was interested in the advice because I liked the start bit as well. Like, it, it's easy for people to always say, please and have you had yeah. that a lot have you had people asking you for stuff a lot and then kind of not really you know following that through totally yeah of course I feel like um there's a lot of people that yeah everyone and listen I, I feel like you should be able to ask for things and that's what you know friends or colleagues or family or whatever it may be that's what we're for we want to help each other and whatever that may be it's just that sometimes, you know, it feels like some people are just really inclined to ask for something and less inclined to be grateful for it. And so, and I'm sure that I've, I've fallen totally into that category, I'm sure, at times in my life where I've forgotten or I've, you know, again, people have busy lives. But um, it's just always something that's at the back of my mind that if I ever ask for help or if I ask for something, um, 
that I should always show my gratitude in some way. And just by saying thank you, it doesn't even have to be anything big, but just those two words are so simple. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> Your third piece of advice, I just wanted to ask you, have you been watching I Hate Susie? Oh, do you know, it's so crazy because I'm the biggest Billy Piper fan and I, oh my God, have not started watching it yet. And it was going to be this weekend's plan. But I haven't. Why? What have so, I missed? Is, is there a yeah, part of no it? spoilers. But um, in the final episode, there's a scene where they talk about how you should always make decisions when you've got PMT just before your period. You should and make I love that decisions. <laughs> yes, and I, I wanted to. Your third piece of advice is do not make decisions on your period. So tell oh, me about that. Mine, mine would be the complete opposite to make decisions on your period I mean I have it's a bit of a family joke actually with between my sisters and my my aunt um we always laugh about it because I mean I've been known to go like food shopping on the first day of my period and literally come back with like seven crates of Krispy Kremes and a cantaloupe and I'm like, what am I going to, I mean, why, why do I have a cantaloupe? I don't even know how to get into the cantaloupe, let alone, and the Krispy Kremes, which, 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 you know, great, have a few, but literally seven crates, I haven't got 50 people coming over, why? Or, you know, go like, go like shopping for clothes and come back with some ski goggles, even though I'm not skiing, or like, or like a massive fleece onesie that like, yeah. just seems really cozy, or just... Little things like that where, for me, I just I just avoid making any kind of decision, anything that I have to be remotely decisive. And I, it's mainly aimed at shopping, but, like, on the first day of my period, I'm just awful. I'm all over the place and my brain is basically mush. And I always like to try and give myself – I'm not saying everyone can give themselves a day off on the first day of their period. That's nuts. But if I can give myself a few hours in the afternoon or even that evening where I can literally just, like, veg, um, watch friends, eat a pot of ice cream, just be on the sofa, be with myself, have a long bath, put some music on, and just not be on my phone, on emails, turn your phone off, I'm just obviously quite a crazy person on their period, which I'm sure many of of these ladies are that are listening today. I don't know. I don't know if I'm alone in this. But for me, just don't ask me any serious questions on day one because you'll just get <laughs> you'll get something that's just a pile of pile of crap. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice. I love that. We'll be back with more from Poppy after this. We're here with Poppy De Levine and we are halfway through her good advice, which I'm loving so far. So can you tell me your fourth piece of advice? Okay, number four. And these are in the words of Cinderella. Have courage and be kind. And a little funny anecdote about this story actually is, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the first time I ever met uh, Lily James, the Cinderella, was at a friend of ours' uh, birthday and I kept going up to her and I kept saying, have courage and be kind, have courage. And she was literally looking around going, why do you keep saying that to me? And I was like, Cinderella, have courage. And she was literally running away from me at this party being like, this girl is completely crazy. And she keeps quoting Cinderella's mantra to me. And it's just, I mean, suffice to say we are friends now, but um, at the yeah. time, I think I probably <laughs> really picked her out. 
(laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that mantra for me is just something that is very, very important. I spend my life saying it to my nieces and my nephews and all this, my godchildren, all these sort of important children in my life. You know, it sort of stems from, you know, having courage to be brave as, as sort of as a young person to to stand up in what you in what you really believe in, to have courage to forgive, you know, to look beyond, to look beyond problems. You know, people make mistakes and we're all human. Um, but also the kindness aspect is so, so important to me in terms of, and I'm not just talking in, in, to, in amongst your family and your friends. It can be gestures to anyone that you meet, someone you're sitting next to on a train, just smiling at somebody, being polite, letting them go in front of you, opening the door. You don't know what that's meaning to somebody. And I truly believe that there is a sort of an infinite beauty in that, you know, it's that thing of sort of taking care of one another, especially after what everyone's been through in this year has just been so crazy and difficult. I feel like it's really a time for everyone to really embrace the kindness. Yeah. And I think the be kind is something that we're all happy to trot out on social media and then we kind of forget about it and it's it's being kind when you don't remember to be kind if that makes sense isn't it not being kind when you have to be but just because all the time yeah that it should just be kind of woven into the fabric of your life it should just be something that is instilled in you it's not just remembering but I don't know. I just think it can be just be even the tiniest of gestures could go such a long way. And you don't know how that person you're sitting next to on the train or whoever it may be, you don't know what they're going through or what their day is like or what they're about to walk into. And sometimes it can just be a smile, I think can change everything. And I don't want to sound cheesy. I just think, I just think it's something that we should all really acknowledge and carry with us. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely in 2020, that's for sure. Yeah. Your fifth piece of advice, I love this because I think it's a real <laughs> it's a real thing that we as women do because it's about talking to your friends and probably not maybe needing the advice that you're asking for. Tell me about your fifth piece of advice. Uh, yeah. Don't ask people to confirm what you already know. Um, I am totally guilty of this. It's something that I'm, you know, working on, but yeah, sometimes you know when you ask people, but but you but you know deep inside, you know in your gut that you you have the answer almost. But it's having that sort of that courage, you know, in your convictions because they will generally be yeah. true. I think you know, listen to your gut. Sometimes I feel like after I've like had a really good happy healthy meal and I'm full to the brim and I need to like make a decision about something and I'm feeling a little indecisive I swear to god my happy tummy will talk to me your gut will talk to you I now also sound like a (laughs) lunatic again but I promise I promise it's so true and it's that thing of always asking someone it's like you want them to like give you that that answer but actually when you know it yourself, you should have that that strength and that courage to to believe in it. And I know, like, for me, sort of on a personal level, 
you know, professionally when I was, when I sort of got into acting and I was modeling for such a long time and it was, it was such a great, I loved doing it and it was wonderful, but I never really felt like I belonged in it. It never really felt like it was my home and it was my calling in life. And I was always sort of umming and ahhing, like, do I want to do acting? Do I want to? Do? And I knew, like, I knew all the time in my heart of hearts that was what I wanted to do. But I felt like I needed other people's encouragement mm-hmm. or I needed other people's, like, permission to want to do that. Yeah. Um, where I knew right inside, like, that's what I wanted to pursue. And I didn't need anybody to verify mm-hmm. that, that that was my passion and that was my dream. Mm-hmm. So again, it is, it, it's something that I still work on, but I do think is sound advice that we all really do know the answers, but we ask anyway, but we shouldn't just go with our guts, go with the guts, people. Yeah. Save a lot of time yeah. rather than chatting yeah, and chatting driving for hours. And mad. Yeah. When you say about breaking through from modeling to acting, was that something you're worried about? Because obviously it can be seen a certain way and people think of you of a certain way and all, you know, the model slash actress trope, you know, is a bit of a joke. And how did you find that? Like, you know, having saying to people, no, actually, I'm serious about this and I can do it. Well, it was really difficult. And I think I knew from the get go that it was going to be difficult. And I, I could have just sort of sat quite comfortably in in the realm that I was in, but there was just something that was, you know, calling out to me. I'd wanted to act since I was at school. I mean, I did every play imaginable. You know, when I left school, I did training in it. I was, but I guess I sort of, even though I never felt that comfortable, you know, I was such a gangly long thing trying to model. I was not good at it. Let's be honest. I was really not good at it, but I could have just sailed along, but I knew that there was going to be criticism. I knew that people were going to be like, oh, God, it's just another model who's just bored and wants to, you know, do something different. But I had this passion in me that I every time I watch a film or I watch something that's, you know, a play or whatever it may be, my I saw like I, I, I ache. I kind of my heart soars, my body aches. I, I want to be doing that. And I feel so passionate about it that I had to make that decision and it was kind of it was a big decision but I'm glad that I did it and listen I'm still working very hard at it it's not it's definitely not plain sailing I'm still I still train whenever I can um and I haven't done that many things you know let's be honest but the things I have done I'm 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 proud of but you know it's still a work in progress but it's just because it's it's something I'm really I really want to be dedicated to but yeah for sure the jump the jump was terrifying because they're very I think some people look at them in the same realm but they're not at all they're very very different and they're different worlds completely and when I'm on stage or I'm behind a camera and I'm acting for the first time in my life I feel like I belong and I didn't feel like that until I was acting and I was 30 you know and so throughout all my 20s I felt like a stranger I felt like I was a joke and actually when I'm acting I feel like this is my happy place that's fantastic and it, it leads into your sixth piece of advice actually which is that you can't please everybody so don't try I always stand by that thing that we are all a work in progress at all times I definitely am mm-hmm. um but this one is is something that out of all the advice or the good advice it's something that I work the hardest on I believe that working on yourself is so important. Obviously, life and experience is such a sort of continuous journey. But, you know, since I was small, 
um, I was, you know, since I was a kid, I was so intent on pleasing people and obsessed. I literally obsessed about never letting anyone down or hurting anybody or arguing with anybody. And I would therefore, because of that, almost hide behind my truth. But now after working on myself a lot, um, you know, I've, I've decided and I've, I've grown to want to embrace, I guess, my truth and, and live in honesty and live honorably and almost sort of remove the shackles of expectation. Do you know what I mean? And just be me. And if they don't like it, that is not my problem. It's such a strange thing, but it's almost like, listen, if what I'm going to say is the truth and it's going to make that person angry, then so be it. But it's, but it's, I can't spend my life pretending not to to be something that I'm I'm not and to just just to make other people happy and say things that you know they want to hear because even though sometimes the truth is hard sometimes the truth is the right thing um but I still very much working on that too and I don't think it necessarily conflicts with being kind which is what I think a lot of women you mm-hmm. know we're all prone to misunderstand is that you not being truthful is being kind and that's not necessarily the case I mean a hundred percent there's it doesn't mean that you have to say oh no you look like crap in that dress or you you, no 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 it doesn't have to be like that at all they're all they're both completely different completely different um things but they should also work together in a way that I just believe that if you are living within your truth all of that sort of kindness will be a part of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we like to finish on a piece of bad advice because it's usually usually quite humorous, not always, <laughs> but in this case, I think it is. Tell me your bad advice you've been given. It is quite humorous and it took me a really long time to figure it out and it's all my dad's fault. <laughs> but basically, when I was a teenager, it was that line that everybody knows, which is... Uh, Treat him mean, keep him clean. So I basically spent my whole teenage years being so horrible to boys (laughs) that I really fancied. Like being so horrible, but like to boys that I was like completely in love with. And they would literally run a mile and they'd be like, that girl's just a bitch. She's just really horrible. I mean, listen, to be really honest, I think the big braces and the long limbs that I wasn't in control of and the big fuzzy hair didn't help either. It wasn't just my dad's piece of terrible advice. But (laughs) what it did do is it did keep the boys at bay, which in turn worked out well for my dad because that was all (laughs) he really wanted. So well done, dad. You'd be really proud of that. Um, but for me, it was all a bit depressing. (laughs) That's so good. I absolutely love that. I've loved talking to you today, Poppy. Thank you so much. You too, Rhiannon. Thank you so much for having me and for listening to me drone on. (laughs) It's been such a pleasure. Poppy Delavine there. I told you she was full of fabulous advice. What a way to start a new series. We'll see you next time. And until then, please review us if you can or say nice things on social media or do both. It's your choice. Just help us spread the Grazia Life Advice love. If you can't wait for the next episode, please dip into our back catalogue to hear from amazing women like Emma Barnett, who was full of great advice, and Gemma Kearney, who will provide a much needed mood boost, I promise.